welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, Amaka. I hope you guys are doing well at the time that you're listening. Um, At the time that I am recording, if you listen to the previous episode, you'll know that um, I took some time off the month of July and I'm doing a little bit of traveling. So if you listen to the last episode, you know that I recorded it in a little tiny house on a little farm in rural Maryland because I saw the cutest tiny house on Airbnb and decided to book it since it was less expensive during the weekday than it was during the weekend. And yeah, so I am here for two days. It's been just under two days and I am leaving in a couple of hours. I have to check out by 11 and I'm recording this podcast um, within the eight o'clock hour in the morning. So that's where I am still. I'm still in the tiny house. have a few hours left. I'm going to check out and then make my way to Philly, which is my next stop for my kind of staycation solo trip. Um, So, yes, how has this day been here? It has been productive. And it has given me some time to kind of really think about what I want to do for the rest of the year. I've had some moments of frustration, some moments of overwhelm, some moments of doubt. But, you know, we're just going to keep pushing forward. (laughs) We're just going to keep going. Um, Because ultimately, that's the most important thing, regardless of how I'm feeling, regardless of how, you know, how how my how high my confidence may be in the moment, regardless of how I think what I'm doing is silly, regardless of how I think maybe none of it is making a difference. <laughs> you know, I have all these thoughts in my head. I have all these thoughts in my head. Sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? You know, is anything going to come from this? And, you know, I think about the reasons why I'm continuing to do this. I think about the reasons why I continue to record this podcast and put out this content. I think about like the essence of it, my love for reading, my love for mental health, wanting to share my thoughts, hoping it resonates with somebody out there. You know, when it comes to the mental health content, hoping that the information I share is helpful to someone out there. And with that, I keep going. I keep going. I think about the people that have told me I loved this episode and you are really knowledgeable in this space and you're so vulnerable and you really are great at just breaking down how you think and what thoughts come through your head and all this stuff. Like, I think about that and I'm like, okay, well, we got to keep going. And I was thinking about this this morning, like even if I wanted to stop recording and posting for this podcast, I don't think I could. I think I am beyond the point of quitting. (laughs) And I don't even know why I'm laughing for real. But like, I think 
I am at the point with this podcast where if I decided to stop, I would not be able to live with myself. Because even apart from wanting to kind of build a base of listeners who enjoy the content, you know, at the end of the day, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for me because very, 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 very few things in my life have I embarked on by myself with no external accountability and have continued it by just continuing, by not stopping. I have to say that the support of very close friends and family is also encouragement and motivation that has helped me keep going and I guess in a way a a degree of accountability too because they would notice if I stopped posting and they would ask me you know what happened and if I don't have a good reason you know that would personally be embarrassing to me on my part so outside of the couple of people who have talked to me personally about listening you know it's it's me deciding to do this it's me moving past the novelty of this new project and continuing to stay steadfast and still recording still producing still editing still posting on my schedule that I have deliberately made and you know amidst any setbacks or slowdowns or seemingly not making any progress like still doing it like this is the only thing in my life that I have started on my own outside of anything like career related that I have done for myself and I think about Also, too, not to get too morbid, but I think about, too, how, like, you know, hopefully having one or two kids in the future. And, you know, when I am no longer here, my kids and my family that I've left behind will have my voice on tape, you know, and my life experience as much as it is applicable to their lives at that time you know if they wanted to get some insight from me they still could after I'm gone so I hope that does not sound too crazy but that's also another reason why I keep going I think about the kids I want to have I think about the younger generation and I ultimately see this as my way to contribute long term. Like if I were to have a legacy, this would be part of it. Because this podcast is really, I would say, one of the best parts of me. Because I really um, try to come to this space I really consider it sacred and I come to it with my 
most genuine, most pure self. Because I feel like that is what people who listen, the listeners who tune in, that's what I hope they connect to along with the content that the podcast is about. So, yeah. So with that, I'm going to dive right into what I planned on talking about today. As you can see from the topic of this episode, we're going to be diving into postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis, which is a subspecialty of psychiatry and mental health that I am so, so, so passionate about, particularly when it comes to mental health for black mothers and black parents. It's something that we need to talk about more. It's something that we need to be more knowledgeable about. It's something that needs more attention because there are so many new parents who come home and experience all these changes and they don't know what to do and they feel like something is wrong with them and then shame comes in, embarrassment comes in. Um, You know, they are silent about what they're experiencing and nobody knows and they can't get help. So I want to talk about this, if not for folks who are listening, for folks who are listening, who know someone who could benefit. Because we need more people like me talking about this for us. And I feel like this is the least that I can do, particularly since I am an expert in this field. So we have different categories, let me just say. So we have what's called baby blues. We have postpartum depression. We have postpartum psychosis. So when it comes to baby blues, baby blues... It sounds like it's not a big deal, but it should not be taken lightly. A lot of times it passes on its own, but that doesn't mean that the parent doesn't need support in that really vulnerable time after having a baby or becoming a parent. And knowing what to look out for is really helpful in giving them the help that they may need. So when it comes to baby blues, first, I want to say that about 80% statistics say that 80 to 85% of new parents, we're talking mothers in this case, will experience baby blues after having their kid. So the takeaway for this particular statistic, what I want to drive home is Even though this experience can be really isolating and it can feel like you're going through this all alone, there are so many people out there that are going through similar experiences. And if you want to reach out and see if there's anyone else out there who is 
on a similar path, journey, having just had a child and you're looking for community, it is out there. It will take a little bit of effort to find it. But at the end all be all is that you are not alone because many more mothers experience baby blues after childbirth than not. And typically baby blues will come about two to three days after having the baby and can last up to two weeks maximum. If it lasts more than that, the two weeks, then we're venturing into postpartum depression territory. And when it comes to symptoms of baby blues, sadness could very well be involved along with changes in mood, tearfulness, crying more than usual, feeling restless, having it be harder to concentrate on things, feeling much more impatient and irritable, having anxiety around just the new life, the recent experience that you had with childbirth, now having this new baby, this new responsibility, anxiety can stem from that. Feeling overwhelmed with just everything that is happening and not feeling like you have a grip on life in these moments and what's going on. Trouble eating and sleeping can also be an issue too when it comes to baby blues. And if you're experiencing a few, some, or many of these symptoms, the approach for when it comes to baby blues is just to kind of offer support and watchful waiting because we don't want to start on medication if, you know, hopefully the symptoms subside within that two weeks. We want to make sure that the length of time is met um, before we introduce medications if the parent is open to it, but does not mean you can't look for support. Support period is needed in this particular time, but even more so if you're experiencing these symptoms. And if you have a therapist that you've been seeing before the pregnancy and the baby, um, highly, highly recommend checking in with them those first couple of weeks after the child. If you have not seen a therapist or have no history of doing that, I would recommend also before having the baby looking into that. So there's someone from a mental health background that you can check in with who has a little bit of expertise in this realm and is able to kind of monitor you over those first couple of weeks and be able to kind of tell you, okay, this is kind of going on a little bit longer than we would have hoped. Perhaps you may benefit from further assessment to see if we have postpartum depression on our hands But the takeaway for baby blues pretty much is 80% or more of mothers experience it. It can start two to three days after having the child and could last up to two weeks. If it lasts more than two weeks, we are considering postpartum depression being the issue that we we are dealing with at that point. A lot of parents, a lot of new parents will come home and kind of having in mind the experiences that they've seen, whether it's by their social circle or the media, what they see on TV, what they see on social media, they might think that, okay, I have this child, I'm supposed to be happy, you know, um, this is a good thing, 
This is life changing, but it's supposed to be positive. I'm supposed to be happy about this. And if any feelings that are negative creep in, that may think that something is wrong with them. If they start to feel sad, if they start to feel guilt, if they start to feel loneliness, if they start to feel emptiness, they may think, what is wrong with me? And that's something that I want to dispel. There is nothing wrong with a new parent who comes home with a new child and is having any negative feelings. There's nothing wrong with it at all. What is important is kind of being aware that that is a possibility because not everyone experiences it, but a good majority does. A good amount of people experience this. What is important is not to feel shame around it, but to be able to recognize it if it comes along and having the knowledge of what it is and monitoring yourself and talking to your provider about it, if they are not equipped to deal with it, having them refer you to the appropriate professional that can, someone like me. So baby blues, like I said, I'm not even really a fan of the name because it kind of makes it sound like cutesy in a way, but it's not something to joke about. It's something to where if you see yourself or your spouse kind of falling into it, providing a little extra support in that regard. You have just introduced a new person into your world and your life and hormones can very much be out of whack. Feelings can be all over the place and they may not necessarily all be positive feelings. So that's just something I think is really important to say out loud. First and foremost, if you're having negative feelings around having children, whether or not you wanted them, whether or not they were planned, just because you planned the pregnancy, having the child does not mean that you are immune to having negative feelings around it. It is a big life change. And with any big life change, you're going to need to adjust. If you birth the baby, you're going to need to adjust physically. You're going to need to adjust mentally, emotionally. And that's not going to be a linear journey. That's going to be a journey that takes many different twists and turns. And they're not all going to be twists and turns that are positive ones. So diving deeper into postpartum depression. Postpartum depression is diagnosed typically if baby blues intensifies and spends a longer amount of time. And the time between diagnosing postpartum postpartum depression versus baby blues is two weeks. If you are still feeling sad, if you are now feeling hopeless, if you're also feeling empty, which I mentioned under baby blues, if you're feeling inadequate, like you are not up to task, if you're having feelings like that for more than two weeks, 
definitely seek out help. Reach out to your primary care provider. If they're not able to help you with what you're going through, ask them to refer you to someone who can. A mental health professional, a psychiatrist, a psychiatric nurse practitioner, anyone who is licensed to properly evaluate you in this way and if need be, prescribe you medication or recommend therapy. It is important because postpartum depression that goes untreated, unchecked, can really interfere with the life that has been already turned upside down and you are trying to get your bearings and adjust. It can prevent yourself from reconnecting with yourself and kind of getting back to who you are. It can prevent you from building your bond with your baby and, you know, trying to build that connection from the time of birth. And according to the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, one in nine mothers experience postpartum depression. So with episodes like these, I really like to give statistics because a lot of mental health stigma is feeling like we are experiencing this alone. And if I can do one thing with these type of episodes, it is to drive home that a lot of people experience mental health issues and challenges at some point in their life. Rarely, rarely is someone, rarely has someone not experienced any type of mental health challenge, whether it's a short bout of depression, whether it's a little bit of anxiety, whether it is something more serious, whether it's, you know, hypomania or PTSD, like there are so many people out there who are like you, who might be going through this, and you are not alone. You're not alone. So in this case, I wanted to also include a statistic, one in nine, and it's likely higher because a lot of these new parents do not report what they're experiencing because they may not think it's something that is worth bringing attention to. I would venture to say it's higher, but according to this reference, one in nine parents, in this case it mentions mothers, experience postpartum depression. And if you have had major depressive disorder, which I have done an episode on, you run the risk of having postpartum depression. Some of the symptoms are similar. So that risk is there. And just to recap again from what I just said, having feelings of overwhelm, feeling like you're not equipped to handle the task that is in front of you. And the task is taking care of this baby, feeling restless, feeling moody, crying, tearfulness, crying, like crying to a point where like, I mean, it can vary. The degree of tearfulness can vary. But if you're not really a crier and you 
can't go a day now without crying. That can be a symptom too. If you're having thoughts of hurting yourself or your baby, that is a big red flag. And that means you need help. If you're having feelings of disinterest towards your baby, if you're feeling disconnected from your baby, if you're feeling like they're not your baby, these constellation of symptoms, if you are experiencing them as a new parent, warrant more attention from a licensed healthcare professional. And the sooner you're able to pinpoint, I'm feeling this way. Oh, this is not something I can consider typical. I might need to get some help. I might need to reach out to my doctor or my midwife. I might need them to refer me to someone who can help me handle this. The sooner you're able to do that, the better off you will be in the long term. Also, too, these can be symptoms of postpartum depression. Having little to no energy or motivation. This is also a symptom of major depressive disorder. Eating too much or too little. Sleeping too much or too little. Trouble focusing or making decisions. These four Symptoms that I have listed are also symptoms of major depressive disorder, memory issues, feeling worthless or guilty, feeling like you're a bad mother, losing interest in activities you used to enjoy. It's one thing to feel like you don't have time to engage in those activities, especially in those really fragile, delicate first months. But it's one thing to want to do it, but not have the time. It's another thing to just lose complete interest altogether. And that's something that would be a sign as well. Withdrawing from friends and family, not wanting to talk to anybody. And I think that this one needs to be parsed out a bit because I personally think You come home from the hospital with your child. You may not want family and friends to descend upon the house as you are trying to get adjusted. That is fine. That is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But knowing the difference between wanting some time for yourself in the beginning and then having friends and family join in versus not wanting to speak to anybody, like completely retreating inward in a negative way. That's what would bring up concern. And also too, postpartum depression can manifest physically. You can have headaches, you can have aches and pains, you can have stomach issues that don't go away. And some people might say stomach issues, but the gut and the brain are connected in a way to where if your mood, if your mental health is off, you can feel it abdominally because a lot of the psychiatric receptors that are in our brain are in our stomach too. They're in our GI tract. 
So they work together. If the brain is out of sync, the body can be also out of sync. With postpartum depression can come feelings of loneliness, um, feelings of shame, like I have mentioned, not wanting to share what you're going through, feeling isolated, feeling embarrassed, feeling like you will be seen as a bad mother because you are not able to handle this new, very, very new part of your life that has happened and that you need to manage and, you know, learn and work through. It's hard. And with those feelings, it's hard to talk about it. But I implore anyone, whether you're pregnant or you're a new parent or you are someone who's listening, who knows someone who is pregnant or a new parent, ask them how they are doing. Ask them how they are doing and tell them that there is no judgment coming from your space. If they are comfortable sharing with you, you want to know how they are doing, not how the baby is doing. How are they adjusting? How have they been feeling? What is going on in their mind? And see what they say. See what they say. Now, having gone through potential symptoms that you can experience, I also want to talk about what can cause postpartum depression. Number one being hormonal changes. Your body, if you are the one who birthed the baby, your body has gone through a roller coaster of hormones over the past, I'm going to say, 10 months. And you have now, your body has now expelled what has, what was the cause of these hormonal changes, that being the baby, the baby is now outside of you. And with that, your body is trying to recalibrate and it takes time. And sometimes the hormones can be out of whack before they stabilize. And when they are out of whack, that is when you might have these feelings. And it's okay if you need some support from a medicinal place to help stabilize you emotionally while the hormones restabilize and beyond. You may find that even after your hormones are better in a better, more stable place, you might need still some support in the form of mental health medication. And that is fine too. Oftentimes when the hormonal changes are involved, your levels of estrogen and progesterone drop dramatically. And that can have an effect on how you feel. And often how that drop can be dramatic within the first 24 hours of having the baby because the baby is no longer in the body. The body no longer has to keep those hormones at a heightened level to maintain the health and safety of the child in your body. So it drops drastically. That can impact you in a negative way. So being aware of this happening is important and is helpful 
because you won't feel like something is wrong with me. I'm a monster. What's going on? I wasn't expecting to have these feelings or to experience this. It is helpful to keep in mind that your hormone levels are going to change. Just in the way they changed to maintain that pregnancy over the course of the time you were cooking the baby, (laughs) your hormone levels are going to have to come down. And it's going to take some time to get back to a new normal, pre-pregnancy normal or perhaps a new normal. Also too, thyroid levels can be impacted through pregnancy and may need some attention as well because that can impact symptoms of depression after baby as well. And sometimes just having a common blood test can tell you what your thyroid levels are looking like and if attention needs to be paid in that regard. So other causes that can impact the degree of postpartum depression, whether or not you develop it, excessive fatigue after labor and delivery, persistent lack of sleep. This is a big one because sleep already is pretty scarce with a new child, but the hope is you're able to get some hours here and there to be able to function and hopefully have some help. I know not everyone does, but as much as possible, have a team that can help you. Um, Whether you're a team of two or three, setting up a schedule in a way where you're able to get a little bit of sleep during the day and at night. Because perpetually going without sleep, not only is it, I mean, someone who's not even pregnant, Going without sleep can impact your mood. It can impact your health. Not to talk more of someone who just went through a pregnancy and has recently had a baby. It's funny to me because those that period of time where you get less sleep, in my opinion, you need more of it because you might be breastfeeding. Your baby is relying on you to feel safe, to self-regulate, to grow and mature. Because a lot of growth in those first few months, in that first year, happens with the child. So in order to be able to provide the needs of the baby, you yourself need to cater to your needs too. And I know this is easier said than done, but I'm saying this in the event that it's something that you are going through and perhaps can improve. Getting more sleep will help not only you, but your child. Like I said before, feeling overwhelmed can bring upon symptoms of postpartum depression feeling doubtful about your capability as a parent, stress around work or home can also bring about postpartum depression. A lot of people do not have the luxury, particularly in the United States, of taking prolonged leave after children, after having children. And that can impact the parent a great deal 
not being able to stay home if needed because of work, if they're staying home feeling like they need to keep up with maintaining the house, cooking, cleaning. This is also too where I say if you can have a team, have a support system, have whether it's your partner, whether it's family that you don't mind having around during that initial delicate time, have some support. If you are privileged enough to where you can pay for it, do not feel ashamed of outsourcing your life in those first few months. I would say even up to like a year. (laughs) Um, Don't feel shamed. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel inadequate. If you are like, listen, I cannot deal with thinking about laundry right now. I cannot deal with thinking about cooking or meals right now. I cannot think about household chores right now. I am going to hire a maid. I am going to hire um, a meal delivery service. Whatever is going to make your life easier in those first, in that first year of being a parent, if you have the means to do so, please, please, please spend the money on it. I have had heard stories and anecdotal, you know, accounts of parents who have had this ability and it has done wonders for their experience in the postpartum period. And now, again, I say I know everyone does not have this ability But to the degree that you are able to lighten your load in those first few months, within that first year of being a parent, please do so. Please ask for help. Please don't feel like you are supposed to do everything by yourself. Please don't feel like you have to be Superman or Superwoman. Please tell people that you need help. And please do not feel less than for it. So this also ties into what I've been saying, having unrealistic expectations. And I think I'm talking particularly in the United States. There is an unrealistic expectations on particularly mothers on being able to do everything. You have just had a baby. You're still expected to keep up the house. You're still expected to cook. You're still expected to take care of the other children if this is not your first child. And it is not reasonable. It's not realistic. And it sets up new parents for failure. And it sets up new parents for falling into depression and developing symptoms like this. I will die on this hill. (laughs) This is the hill I will die on. You do not need to feel, please don't feel like you need to live up to these expectations. They are not realistic. They are not realistic. And they set parents up for failure from the beginning, from the beginning, because we feel like we have to keep up with this. It's not realistic. And quite frankly, I don't know why it is the way it is. I have an idea, but I'm not going to get into it. It's just not realistic for new parents to keep up with their life as it was before pregnancy. You will need help. A baby is something that, a baby is uncharted territory. 
you know, as much as we may have kids around us, nieces, nephews, cousins, little kids, a baby of your own is uncharted territory. No matter how much you prepare, there's going to be a degree of unpredictability. And being able to say, I need help, there is nothing wrong with that. And you may even be surprised how much people want to help you, you know, and how much people want to lighten that load for you. And you may not have felt that before. It might be hard for you. As I'm speaking, I'm thinking about, you know, when that time comes for me having a kid, it's hard for me to ask for help, period, in life. So that's going to be a challenge for myself, but I am up for the challenge. So please do not carry those unrealistic expectations on you because they will worsen what is already a challenging time. Also too, grieving who you were before you became a parent. There is definitely a change no matter how much you attempt to keep things the same. A baby is going to change your life. And it is not wrong or it is not, I would venture to say, it's not wrong to miss your old life. Having a little bit more unpredictability, having a little bit more spontaneity, having a little less structure. There's nothing wrong with missing it. But kind of dwelling and grieving and feeling like you have lost something can bring upon feelings of postpartum depression. Having less free time can also be a a cause because with the new baby can feel like your whole entire day revolves around the needs of the child and that can take a toll too not feeling like you can do anything for yourself and also feeling less attractive um, particularly for mothers who have gone through the bodily changes that are associated with pregnancy and childbirth. Feeling like you do not look like how you looked before pregnancy. Feeling like you do not recognize yourself. Um, Not having kind of come to terms with your body physically. Especially if, you know, you kind of struggled with that even before. Um, It can be amplified in this very delicate time. So I want to also talk about who is at increased risk of developing postpartum depression. I already mentioned having a history of major depressive disorder can be a factor. Also to not only you, but having a family history, anyone more so in your immediate family. Um, it can go as far out as grandparents, aunts, uncles, Any family history of depression can increase your risk. Family history of bipolar disorder can increase your risk. Folks who lack support, 
socially in the way of family or friends or hired help, pretty much anyone within your circle that can offer help to you with a new child. If you lack, if you're pretty much on your own, that can increase your risk. Also experiencing symptoms of depression during pregnancy can bring upon postpartum depression um, because it is possible to be depressed while you're pregnant. And that can be a precursor to postpartum depression as well. Also too, if you've had issues with previous pregnancies or childbirth, if you have had issues with the relationship from which the baby came from. So if there are, you know, relationship dynamics between you and your partner that are troublesome or bothersome, that can impact your level of risk. If you are younger than 20 years old, if you have your child very young, that can be an increased risk. Any history of alcoholism or illegal drug use, having a baby with special needs, having difficulty breastfeeding, or if the pregnancy was unplanned or unwanted. So these are folks within these categories who have an increased risk of developing postpartum depression. So I want to talk quickly about what is the difference between baby blues and postpartum depression in a nutshell, because I've gone through a lot of information. And if I'm able to kind of distill it down, when it comes to what differentiates the both of them, it is length of time. So a lot of the symptoms overlap, but the length of time does not. When it comes to baby blues, a lot of the symptoms of depression can present when it comes to baby blues, mood swings, feelings of sadness, loss of appetite, trouble sleeping, tearfulness, crying more, feelings of overwhelm. I'm not quite sure if I said that already. If those go away within the first three to five days, then that is characterized as have had having had baby blues and hopefully with those subsiding, you're able to move forward on your journey in parenthood. If these symptoms last longer than two weeks, then you are entering the territory of postpartum depression. And also too, it's really important to mention that postpartum depression can surface anytime from one month, anytime from those two to four weeks to 12 months postpartum. So if you start feeling these symptoms six months after having the baby or nine months after having the baby, that can be expected anytime from 12 months after birth, postpartum depression can spring up. So with that, I'm going to talk quickly about postpartum psychosis. While postpartum depression has a more mood-based presentation. Postpartum psychosis 
though rarer, has a presentation that is more consistent with bipolar disorder and potentially schizophrenia too. So postpartum psychosis is rarer than postpartum depression, but I think it's also still very important to talk about. It's a rare condition. Four out of 1,000 mothers, although I would venture to say it's higher, may experience postpartum psychosis. Usually begins within the first two weeks after birth. And postpartum psychosis is considered a medical emergency. So if you were to start experiencing these symptoms, I would highly, 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 highly recommend you seek care right away. Your risk is increased if you have a history of schizophrenia or a history of bipolar disorder. So when it comes to symptoms, having auditory or visual hallucinations, this means hearing things that other people around you cannot hear or seeing things that other people around you cannot see. That is what consists of auditory and visual hallucinations. Feelings of persistent confusion, rapid mood swings within several minutes. This can present as crying, then laughing, then sadness, then calm, all within a short span of time. Trying to hurt yourself or your baby. Feelings of paranoia, um, more specifically thinking others are out to get you or out to harm you or harm your baby feelings of restlessness or agitation and behaving recklessly or ways that are inconsistent with your personality. So in this case, like I said, this is a medical emergency. Seek care as soon as possible. And those who are qualified to help you in this case would be a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a midwife, a primary care provider, or pediatrician. Calling one of those people will either get you to the person, will either connect you to the person who can help or connect you to someone who can connect you to the person who can help. Now, what can help with these conditions? I did not want to end this episode without offering some suggestions of what can help in times like these. And like I said, this touches on a previous symptom or previous cause that can increase the risk. Rest, resting. And I know it's easier said than done, but the as much rest, the more rest you can get, the better off you will be. Sleep is key. Rest is key. Feeling overrun feeling like you're running on fumes, feeling like you're on borrowed time, like all those feelings not being rested will contribute to these feelings of depression, potentially psychosis. So rest as much as you can. And I've said this also to ask for help. Please don't be embarrassed. Please don't be ashamed of asking for help. It can mean the difference between having or not having postpartum depression or it venturing into the realm of psychosis. Taking time 
even if it's 20 minutes in a day, even if it's 15 minutes in a day for yourself, just you, the baby is not around you, no one is around you, to do something for yourself that you used to do before you got pregnant and had the baby that makes you, that helps you feel like yourself again. So whether it's reading, whether it's writing, whether it's meditating, whether it's journaling, whether it's arts and crafts, whether it's talking to a friend on the phone, whether it's going out for a walk, whether it's baking, anything, anything. And this is something that I have actually personally done for myself because, you know, I do hope to have kids someday. And I have thought about what could I do in that postpartum period. I've actually made a list of things that I titled what will help me feel like myself after baby? <laughs> um, because this is really important for me and I want to put out there anyone who this might be helpful for too. You know, have, even if it's like, take five minutes, write on a post-it, things that will help you start feeling like yourself again after you've had the kid. Um something that you can do within a 20 minute span. Maybe it's during a period of time where they're taking a longer nap that might last an hour, two hours. During that time, maybe taking 20 to 30 minutes to doing something before you had the baby or before you got pregnant that will help you start feeling like yourself again. And also to taking time away from the baby period. That may mean having the baby sleep in one room and you being in another room, like creating physical distance. So you are not always feeling like the baby is attached to you because that can feel overwhelming as well. To people that you trust, talk to them. Talk to them about how you're feeling, good and bad. Talk to people that you know will be non-judgmental and will accommodate your feelings and be understanding and give you that space to fall apart if you need to. It's very, very important. And it saddens me to know that some people don't have this, to which case I would recommend writing your feelings down, even if it's on a piece of paper, even if it's typing it in your notes app. Write down how you're feeling. I'm a big believer in energy transfer from the body through the pen onto the paper. It helps me and I recommend it to anybody to try that if they are not able to kind of talk through what they're feeling with someone in that moment. Um, And that's another thing I plan on doing after having kids I love to journal anyway, so I am planning on writing down every single thing that I'm feeling because one, it will be interesting for me to read back about that time when it's over because also too, I think it's helpful to remember that even with everything that you're going through, usually it's temporary Usually it's in stages and usually it gets better. And not because things get easier. You just have more tools 
and you're becoming a little bit more confident and you're hitting your stride. But those first few months can feel like a truck hit you. Not just with how you feel physically, but just with how your life has been turned upside down. So with that, kind of having these in mind beforehand can be very helpful. Finding a community, talking to other new parents, talking to more experienced parents in a non-judgmental space. Having that support can also make or break your experience as a new parent. I'm in this community right now that is majority moms, but welcomes people who are not parents um, to learn. And I am learning so much already, even though I'm not a parent yet. And I find comfort in knowing that I can lean on this community when my time comes. So whether it's in person or online, because we live a very digital life nowadays, if you have a community you can tap into, um, whether in person or virtually, that can make a difference as well. Also too, during the time of pregnancy and particularly postpartum, if you can avoid making any other major life changes, Sometimes it's inevitable and you just have to do what you have to do. But if you can avoid moving or any other big decisions that can also kind of turn things around, make things more difficult, delay those decisions for some time down the road where you have gotten your bearings a little bit with being a new parent and feeling like you can now handle that as well. I mentioned this before, but it is worth repeating. Anything that you can outsource in your life, please do. If you can outsource cleaning, if you can outsource meal prep, if you can outsource laundry, if you can outsource yard work, if you can outsource anything else, like do it, do it. There's no shame in it. And you will be a better parent because you will not have to divest energy into those things. You can conserve your energy to recuperate and recover for yourself and give your baby the attention that they need. I'm also a big proponent of doulas, Doulas, doula services are really helpful. Um, they are a professional, a non-medical professional who is well-versed in the pregnancy and postpartum space. They can be an advocate for you in the hospital. They can be very knowledgeable around a degree of medical, but very much less so more so non-medical aspects of pregnancy and getting re- getting ready for baby. And also too, they can provide services for you postpartum. If you are in a position where you can have a doula for those first few weeks to months of being a new parent, take advantage of it. It can mean a world of difference with your experience as a new parent. There are doula services that provide help during the day. There are doula services that provide help at night, which can help you with getting the sleep that you need. 
There are doula services that provide household help that in addition to helping you care for your baby, they help you keep the house going. They help with laundry. They help with cooking. They help with um, baby prep in terms of bottles. They help with um, cleaning. I'm not sure if I said that already. There are resources out there. Check if your insurance covers doula care. Check if um, you're if you're able to afford it. If you're someone like myself who knows that they plan to have kids in the future, start saving for it. Because unfortunately, particularly in the United States, doula care is not always covered when it comes to health insurance. But if you know that you want to have children two, three, four years down the line, you can open an account, set aside a place for a percentage percentage of your income to go towards doula care so that when you have the baby, you have the funds to help with that aspect of your postpartum recovery. So also too, I want to touch quickly on what can help from a more clinical place. Therapy, postpartum can be really helpful. If you are someone who's already regularly in therapy, inquiring with your therapist or counselor about their expertise when it comes to pregnancy and the postpartum period, see if they can help you. If not, if that's not where they can provide a source of support, see if they can refer you to a therapist who is better versed or more specialized in the field of pregnancy and postpartum um, mental health, because that can also be a big help being able to have a standing appointment with someone who you can just talk to about how you're feeling because you know it's a non-judgmental place. You can completely be transparent in a way that you know will never be used against you and will only hopefully give you more insight into how you are managing and adjusting as a new parent and your therapist can guide you along the way. And when it comes to the more serious symptoms of postpartum depression and psychosis, being on medication is not a shameful thing. It's not, it can be stigmatizing, but that's where I come in. Um, If there's one thing that I can do while I'm here on this earth is destigmatize mental health medication. It is just as important as any other type of medication because if you are not in your best mental space possible for a time as delicate as new parenthood, it can really take a toll on not just you, but your baby and the people around you. So please, 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 If any of what I talked about today resonated with you, whether personally or with somebody you know, please share this episode with them. If there's a particular part of the episode that you think they would be um, interested in hearing, give them a timestamp. So I'm sure, you know, new parents, short on time, maybe they just need these specific 10 minutes or specific 15 minutes 
share it with them and see how they receive it and be a support. Be a support in the way that will help them. Be a support in a way that will benefit them. And more specifically, like I said, I'm in a community of mothers right now, but is welcoming to parents-to-be, regardless of timeline. And one of the women in the group who is not a parent mentioned that she has a friend expecting and what to do. So a lot of the community talked about being able to help your friend in a way that will lighten their load. So coming to their house, being ready to work, telling them when I come there, tell me what to do. Do you want me to do your laundry? Do you want me to wash the dishes? Do you want me to mop? Do you want me to sweep? Do you want me to meal prep? Coming with a motive in mind, specifically how to help lighten their load for them in their home. Do they need two hours of you watching their child so that they can go out and get their nails done or, um, you know, take a long bath, uh, light some candles, read a book, just have some time for themselves. That is something for someone in a supportive role that they can do. I hope you guys took something from this episode. I know it's more of like a niche topic, but I'm really passionate about this space. I am working towards becoming certified and specialized, particularly in parental mental health. And I hope to be certified by next year so that I can be a go-to person for those who may have questions and be a resource to be able to help. And I've been saying this um, interspersed through the episode, but I want to say again, new parenthood, new motherhood is unlike anything that you have experienced in your life prior. I am yet to experience it, but I have been close enough to people who have gone through it to know it is no joke. And you feeling like you need help or you are not up for the task does not make you less of a parent. It does not make you less of a mother or less of a father. It does not make you, it does not mean you don't love your child. It does not mean that you don't want the best for them. If anything, being open and asking for help shows that you want to do right by them and you want to do right by yourself and you will pursue that by any means necessary. So... If there are any parents, new parents, parents to be out there that are listening, I am rooting for you. I am rooting for you. And if you have any questions, 
that you would like to ask me personally, email me btbwpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's btbwpodcast at gmail.com. Like I said a million times already, (laughs) please share to folks who you believe will benefit from hearing a segment of this episode or this entire episode. Please um, rate and review on your podcast platform that you are listening from if this episode or any past episodes or the podcast in general has impacted you in a positive way. I want to thank you guys for listening as always. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Be well. Bye.